1: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin.
2: Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the July 17th episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. With me today, Mike Clay from ESPN, fresh off vacation, rested, ready for the season. How you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing well. You're right. Uh, you, there's nothing like a week away with the family, relaxing on the beach to get you kind of primed up and ready to dive back into football. So uh, this is one of the first things I'm doing, actually, off the vacation. So uh, uh, should be a lot of fun.
2: So, so you are you were on vacation. We talked before we started. You you were on the Jersey Shore down in s- Southern New Jersey. So what better place to start than with your Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Mike's a big Eagles fan. In case you're not familiar. Um, how do you think the backfield is going to shake out for fantasy owners? I feel like what I've been seeing in early drafts, mocks, ADPs, whatever it might be, um, Ajayi's kind of, pe- people are a little, they're kind of keeping him at arm's length. He's the highest, he's the highest drafted running back for them, obviously, but, but no one's all in. Corey Clement seems to be sort of a popular late round sleeper type. But How do you see the Eagles backfield shaking out?
1: Yeah, it's it's a tricky one for sure. I was actually talking about this on my SiriusXM XM show last night and before I knew it it was like twenty minutes later and I was still talking about it. It really is one of the more interesting backfields. So I'll try not to keep I'll try to keep it under twenty minutes here for you, uh, John. But um yeah, I mean just in a nutshell, I, I think Ajay's a, a tough uh, a tough eighty or a tough pick, I suppose, in the fourth round, kind of the fourth, fifth turn right now where he's going. Just because last year we saw Corey Clement stealing some goal line work and we saw, you know, we saw Corey Clement actually uh, really take off as a pass catcher in the playoffs, not to mention Darren Sproles is coming back and uh, he, he already announced it's his final NFL season. I, I don't think he comes back and I don't think the Eagles re-sign him to a, a one-year extension uh, and really not add anything overly significant at the position if Sproles wasn't going to play a big role. So. Uh, I could easily see him playing about 30 or so percent of the snaps. Obviously, his specialty is as a pass catcher. That's really going to limit what a Jai can do. You know, we might be talking about 20, 25 catches in this offense, and that's problematic, especially in PPR. And again, if he's only going to get half of the carries at the goal line, I, you know that scares me. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's going to be featured between the 20s, and you're going to be counting on explosive plays. That uh, that that bothers me. So uh, probably just going a pinch early for me. And as for the other guys, you could take a late PPR stat, at Sproles, if you want, I just don't see a high ceiling there. And same thing with Clement. Uh, he's more of a handcuff for me. He's, he doesn't have standalone value. He needs an injury uh, to a guy like Jai or Sproles to really jump into the flex conversation. All
2: right. Yeah, I took Clement and probably, we're both in Scott Fishbowl. I think I took him in round 11 or something. So
1: yeah, see that, that feels too early for me. I, I don't. Okay. I barely have even worth considering in like sixteen round drafts, So I, that's just that's too rich for me.
2: Got it. All right, folks. Um, before we move on to the rest of the topics, um, check us out on Twitter. Mike is at my Clay NFL. I'm at Jay and thirty seven. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. You can get player updates at RotoWire NFL, and you can always find us on Facebook. All right. Um, we're gonna talk about running backs today. I was trying to, you know, I, I try to mix it up with everybody. And I figured, you know, we, we, what we did last year at this time was we did a sort of a positional deep dive um, on every position. So we're going to start today with running backs. I want to start with LaShawn McCoy. Now, le- potential legal or suspension issues aside, I don't know, we don't know right now what is going to happen with LaShawn McCoy's situation. Check the news if you're not familiar with what we're talking about. Um, let, let's assume he, he all systems are go with LaShawn McCoy. He's being ranked for me. I'm looking at him, and I watched him in drafts last week. Uh, I, I mentioned the draft we're both in, with was not in the same division, but, you know, third, fourth round. I mean, this is a guy who got almost 1,600 yards from scrimmage last year, and I, when I look at the Bills' offense, I go, okay, wh- wh- who else is going to do anything? Like, wh- Why is Lashawn McCoy not going to get 20 touches a game? and 1500 yards from scrimmage and then possibly somehow with that kind of volume he probably gets to at least eight touchdowns I think is what he had last year I'm seeing him running back 11 tell tell me do you agree with where he's being ranked and do, do you if so are you somewhat skeptical of him
1: uh, I, I understand the reasons for concern. I, remember, this team is 28th in the NFL in offensive touchdowns last year, and they may actually get worse. You know, they, uh, yeah. they have a, a highly suspect quarterback situation. Their offensive line uh, got significantly worse. They have very little at wide receiver. Uh, but uh, but I'm I'm with you. You know, I, I felt like he was a value throughout most of the offseason, and now that he's at kind of that two three turn. Uh, and again, we're assuming legal stuff aside. If every if he's ready to go and rolling for week one, I think that is a value and. I know he's coming off kind of a rough year in terms of efficiency, average rate right at you know 4.0 yards per carry. Uh, had the worst yak in the NFL, 1.3 yards after contact, which is not an area where he's usually been very good. He's more elusive than he is productive after contact. Uh, so there's some red flags there. He is 30 now. I mentioned the the issues with the team, but here's the thing: even if he even if his rushing efficiency is poor, it could be a career worst season. He could average three and a half yards per carry. He's still like you said, he's probably going to get most of the carries with only Chris Ivory and Travaris Cadet behind him on the depth chart. And then here's the other thing that really gets no no play. Last year, he had he was targeted seventy-seven times. That's his most since twenty ten. I mean he's highly involved as a pass catcher. And I know Tyrod's not the quarterback anymore, but and it's not to mention a new offensive coordinator, but with the with the issues with the weapons they have at wide receiver, I think they're just gonna continue to throw him the football ball often. So I do expect him to go over, you know, used, uh, like 1,500 scrimmage yards. I think he'll be in that vicinity. Probably going to catch more than 50 footballs. But I, I, I understand the red flags. I just think volume's what wins in fantasy football, and he has a very easy path to a lot of it.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I just think he, he's one of those people that it, at this time of year, still, I mean, it'll, it'll change over the next few weeks, I think. But at this time of year, I feel like people don't like boring, old and boring. They prefer, yeah. <laughs> you know, new and exciting. Which brings us to our next – player. Are you on the Derek McKinnon train?
1: I am not on the Derek McKinnon train. Well, let's let's put it this way. I I have major concerns about his effectiveness as a football player, um, but I do love the situations he's in. And I think a lot of people are looking at one and not the other. Uh, So that's kind of been what what I've been kind of trying to highlight. I did an article at ESPN Insider a few weeks ago and featured uh, several running backs, a few who we're going to talk about, uh, but McKinnon was was kind of the the face of the article, and here's my issue. I mean, you look back at the past two years, right? Not a not a massive sample, but he's played a lot, so uh, we can get a decent indication of how he's played. And uh, during that span, 38 running backs, John, have at least 200 carries. He ranks 37th in yards per carry, just under 3.6 yards per carry. Again, 37th out of 38, and he's 36th in yards after contact per attempt at 1.51. You know, he's seen a lot of volume as a receiver, too. He's still mid-pack or below average in catch rate, yards per reception, yards per target. I, I don't see the efficiency. I mean, this is a guy that's always been a part-timer. He's never had more than, uh, what is it, 150 carries in a season is right. roughly the number. There's just a lot of red flags for me. I, I remember last year, like, people were throwing him under the bus. He can't even beat out Matt Asiata. Now suddenly, you know, we're talking about him as, like, a, an, an, an almost an elite fantasy back, and – you know, I, I get it. The offense is, is great with Kyle Shanahan, but, Steve, you know, you look back at Steve Slayton and Alfred Morris and Devonta Freeman and Carlos Hyde, these guys have had career years under Shanahan, and that's why you have to kind of look at him as a fringe RB1, but will he like, keep the job? I, I mean, there's, you know, there's reason to be seriously concerned about his effectiveness.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. The, 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 the knock on him, I mean, the, the, the plus for him has always been the athleticism. Right, because he was a great spark guy after the combine and all that stuff. The knock on him has always been vision, right? That, you know, I, I, people like to blame the Vikings' offensive line for some of McKinnon's shortcomings, but, but it wasn't all them, or it didn't seem to be. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I said, he, he didn't produce after contact. He wasn't nearly as elusive as you would have expected. So there's uh, I definitely think you can trace it to him as a player. And, and again, we, we I think we as an industry kind of felt that way throughout most of his career. Right. He wasn't living up to his athleticism. Now, suddenly we've we've kind of forgotten about that. But again, Carlos Hyde's uh, efficiency was poor. It was his worst year in terms of efficiency last year. And he was still a top 10 fantasy running back. So that's kind of what you're banking on if you're investing in early pick. In McKinnon this year,
2: yeah, and like you said, the situation and then the depth chart is it plays out really well for him. Okay, um, let's go to Miami. Another another back that I feel like people are shying away from, even though he appears to have a job. Now there are more threats on the depth chart that we'll talk about in a second. Uh, you have Kenyon Drake. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have know, a running back seventeen, and
1: uh, yeah, seventeen.
2: I, f- I-, I feel like, and this is this is me being subjective here, but that that people are st- are finding reasons to avoid. Kenyon Drake right now. He seems to be slipping a little bit. Um, The the threats there are Frank Gore, who, you know, is going to get 800 yards every year until 2035 or something, and uh, a rookie named Kalen Balaj. And I actually, did I see a a little Twitter debate about him with you and someone else recently?
1: (laughs) Yeah, some some guy you may have heard of. His name's Matthew Barry. That guy, Uh, right. uh, Yeah, you may have heard of him, kind of a new up-and-comer in the industry, but he (laughs) Yeah, he's not. He's a big Ballage fan. Uh, I, I am not. Um, and, again, he, this is another guy I covered in that article I wrote at Insider. And I kind of just, you know, I won't get too into the numbers because there's a lot to look at. But essentially his rushing efficiency, the past two seasons at Arizona State has been just atrocious. I mean, one of the bottom, uh, you know, in some categories the, among the worst in the nation, but certainly near the bottom in terms of this incoming class. And I'm not just talking rushing efficiency. I'm talking receiving as well, I mean, just he was under five yards for receptions, yards for reception, last year. So, you know, it, I just have big concerns about him. I don't view him as a, a top end prospect. He, for me, he reminds me almost of like a, a Jeremy Langford in terms of you got this bit height, weight, weight, speed uh, sort of running back that looks amazing in person and on tape. He has flashy plays, but you know, it's not a one or two play game. You know, you got to do it. You know, you know, do you want to be a fifteen plus touch guy and and be a, have fantasy value? you got to do it for more than the occasional big play. You can't be losing yards uh, every, you know, every four play. So um, not not a fan. I, I don't view him as a major threat to Drake. And what it really comes down to is I'm going to take the guy that's played well in the NFL the past couple of years. I'm not going to take uh, a guy who struggled in college and is coming in as a fourth-round pick. Not, or Frank Gore, obviously, uh, who I'm sure is going to be involved. But, you know, I think Drake, what he's done so far, I mean, you look at last year – John, it wasn't really a small sample. It was from week nine on, where he had five yards per carry, two and a half yards after contact. He caught 29 passes. He was top 10 at the position fantasy points. He's top five in yards per carry since he entered the NFL. You know, he's done it so far. And we've been tricked by these guys before, you know, these kind of mid-round picks that show high-end efficiency for a little while. Actually, Jerick McKinnon's a good example of that Uh, his first year or so. Um, and, and kind of fell off in that area, but has maintained some fantasy value. But Drake so far has given us no reason to doubt him, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my chances.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that, especially, I mean, you said after week nine, but, but in, the, in the five games at the end when he was the, the lead back, I mean, he, he, he got it done. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't understand why people seem so hesitant on him. um. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I mean, I can see the threats there. Um, but, okay, you have him at 17th. Now, next up, I, I've been talking a lot. We, I, I started recording these. Uh, this is the first week we're doing four podcasts a week, but I've been doing one a week since the beginning of June. And I've had a lot of conversations with people about the, the non-Saquon rookie running back, sort of that, that tier that's going in rounds three, four, and five. And you've got actually three of them in the top 20. The guy I want to talk about is Rashad Penny. Uh, you have him 20th, I think we said, right? So that's right. Okay, it, I look at the Seahawks. I still see a bad offensive line. I see a team that it, it's not like they have a long history of backs not getting it done because it's only been a couple of years since Marshawn Lynch. I mean, that, the three in 2015 Lynch didn't do much. You know, it was sort of a, a partial season for him. But the last few years, you know, it's been well. It's going to be CJ Procyse and it's going to be uh, uh, Chris Carson. And you know, it, it's oh, I, I, I look and I go. It's just not working out, and maybe it's not just the running backs. Maybe it's them. I know they invested a lot in him, but um, can you tell me why you're you're high on Rashad Penny?
1: Uh, yeah, first of all, I mean, into the combine, I thought he was maybe this year's kind of guard in terms of his elusiveness, size, tech production. You knew wasn't really the fastest guy, you know, kind of like Hunt wasn't last year, running you know around a four five forty somewhere in that vicinity. But he just makes up for it in other ways, you know, just, again, being elusive, forcing missed tackles, that kind of thing. So I was surprised he went the first round, but I know that Seattle was not the only team interested in him there. So the NFL really likes him. I understand why. And I don't think that you take a running back in the first round or really even the second round if you're happy with your running back situation. And and this is coming from someone who loved Chris Carson last year. He was a fringe top ten prospect for me at running back. And, uh, you know, he's all the way to the seventh round. I thought he would be a late pick, but, you know, I, he he looks like a, a good back as well. I, I get that. But, again, I, I think they're frustrated with the issues they've had and they want to bring in a workhorse, and I think Penny uh, will be that guy. So that, that's kind of my justification. And, again, he is so elusive and good after contact that he can make up a little bit uh, for, for the struggles they have on that offensive line. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take him as a top 20 guy. By the way, uh, one more kind of – tidbit here you look back at the last few seasons the last eight running backs who have been picked in the first round uh six of them were running back ones they were six of them were actually top 10 as rookies uh, you know t- teams take these guys they take in the first round and they use them a lot and uh you know i think i don't see any reason why that's different for penny uh, you know i know they're going to mix in some other guys a little bit but i just think he is a special player and those guys tend to emerge in a hurry. You know <laughs> that's why they're picked that early. They're, he's probably going to be within a few weeks. They're clearly back there in Seattle. So uh, happy to take him at that twenty spot. We're saying we're talking like round four or five at that point.
2: Okay. Um, the other guy I want to ask you about is Darius Geist with the Redskins. He was an interesting guy on draft day. Uh, many people projected him as a first rounder. I know I'm, I'm in Charlotte, and there were some people wondering if he was going to go to the Panthers. Um, he. he he wound up going late second round. Um, I, I don't wanna I, I don't want I won't get into the specifics. Some people said character concerns, it wasn't he's a bad guy, they just kinda weren't sure about him and it was it was it was a little weird the way that shook out. Anyway, he's someone you have him ranked highest among those that the, the next tier of rookie backs, right?
1: Uh, yes, I do. I have him at eighteen.
2: Okay. So Geis is certainly talented. He probably won't be on the field. He's going to be an early down back. Chris Thompson is most likely going to own the passing downs. Um, you ranking guys, where you do, I mean, it's not a top 10 ranking or anything like that, but uh, this leads me to think that you suspect he will be very productive on the early downs and uh, do pretty well near the goal line. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah I do and it's kind of funny you mentioned uh you know his him coming into the league I, I remember seeing him at the uh at the combine I think I tweeted something about him when he was being interviewed by the media and something along the lines of this guy you know likes likes me some me likes him some him you know <laughs> the guy some, was exuding with confidence uh you know it just you know he thought he was the uh, the best, and you know, you could see it in his interview—the way he talks. So I don't know if that turned some teams off or whatever, but uh, all, all indications seem to be that he's a been a good teammate, ready to roll there in Washington. Now, as for on the football side, I, yeah, listen, here's the thing: I, I agree with you that there's probably a cap on what he can do as a pass catcher, right? So we're talking maybe 25, 30 catches, as long as Chris Thompson's there, uh, you know, uh, kind of like kicking ass in, in passing situations, which he's done for years. Not to mention that. Uh, over the past few seasons uh, Thompson actually is the best yards for carry in the NFL believe it or not and you know granted he's going to be used kind of situationally he runs a lot against a lot of nickel and dime defenses that helps him out fine but he's been an effective player so I do think he'll be involved I think that caps his output I think it caps Geist's output especially as a receiver that being said John there's a clear tier here I mean once you get past like McKinnon and Mixon. You could say the same thing about all these guys. Yep. You know, but there's just only so much they're going to do as pass catchers. So you're, I'm, I'm talking about Geis and Royce Freeman and Penny, possibly Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, Alex Collins, Marshawn Lynch, Jaijai, Derrick Henry, uh, Lamar Miller. You know how much are these guys actually going to do as receivers? And since that's that whole tier, you got to pick. You got to pick from it. You know, yep. so you can either fade that tier or you can pick something, pick your favorite from it. And for me, I think Geis is is one of the most talented. And a guy that can push for two hundred and fifty carries in this offense. All
2: right, the last rookie I want to talk about is Ronald Jones for the Bucks. Um, that's that's a depth chart that's favorable to, to the guy coming in. Um, I I, I'm, I have heard mixed reviews on on Jones. He's one. But I feel like the reviews on Geis as a player are fairly consistent. The reviews on guys like, you know, Royce Freeman are fairly consistent. The reviews on Ronald Jones, mixed bag. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think
1: so. I, I think it's pretty much all traced to his size, right? I, I think we were all a little pleasantly surprised, honestly, that he came in over 200 pounds at the right. combine. But uh, you, and that still bothers you. You wonder, you know, is this guy going to come in and be Amir Abdullah or is he going to be, you know, like almost like Kevin Coleman, but, you know, be an explosive player and, and kind of be able to. Uh, Pano, or I guess Jamal Charles has been a popular comp, right? Like a guy that has the fringe eyes, but can he handle a, a big workload? So I, I do think that could be a problem. You know, he may never be a 300-touch guy, but you kind of put the, you know hit the nail on the head. Opportunity is there in Tampa Bay, and and I almost want to throw Roy Freeman into this conversation because you have, you know, second-slash-third-round pick running backs who were selected for a reason, and then you have people talking up Devontae Booker and Peyton Barber. What about those guys? They're still on the roster, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but guess what? The, their teams took a running back early in the draft right. for a reason because those guys are not very good. Uh, so I do think uh, Jones and uh, and Freeman as well are going to have a, a very real chance to be feature backs out of the gate. And Jones is just a, a super explosive player. Again, the concern there, uh, just uh, you know, just size. You know, will he get? Matt, will he see the volume of some of these other guys? I don't know, but you hope that he can make up up for it with a few extra explosive plays.
2: All right. Um, yeah. I. I... Peyton, because of what I said, said about John, sort of the uh, people, there's some skepticism, and you, like you said about the size, Peyton Barber seems to be a popular late round sleeper for some people right now. I feel like I've hear, heard his name a lot lately. Do you, you agree yeah, with that? And
1: I, yeah. yeah, I definitely, and I have him as kind of a fringe late round pick there. Actually, I have him at 59, so, you know, generally in a, you know, in a, 16-round uh, draft, there's roughly about 55, 60 running backs picks, so he's kind of in that area, uh, but I, I just categorize him as another sort of handcuff, right, you know, or, or a hedge on these other running backs, you know, you can almost, like, Chase Edmonds or Jalen uh, Samuel in Pittsburgh, the kind of backups to these potential feature backs, Chris Ivory in Buffalo, uh, you know, maybe Eli McGuire, right? Kenneth Dixon, there's just Matt Breida, we talked about McKinnon before, there's a lot of guys kind of in that mix who you can choose from in the late rounds and you're just taking stabs, and if a guy goes down in the preseason. We don't know who it's going to be. Someone probably will. If someone goes down, uh, you know, you're sitting there pretty with uh, the backup on your bench. So he just kind of fits that, fits
2: that bill. Okay. Folks, fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to be playing best ball on my new favorite app, Draft. It's season-long with no management. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically selected, and you get the best score every week guaranteed. You don't have to worry about injuries, last-minute benchings, anything like that on Sunday mornings. Like like I said earlier, just set it and forget it. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now on draft. And the best part, you can play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's a league for everyone. And this year, they're running a $1 million dollar Best Ball Tournament. Just enter the Best Ball Championship on draft, draft the best team, and you could win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. There's no salary caps. Play in a real-life snake draft just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. It's a good way to practice, too. Come and join me on draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on draft.com, whatever you want. For limited time, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code WIRE. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code WIRE on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play for for free with promo code WIRE. Thanks a lot, Draft. All right. Mike, I want to talk about some... uh, backfields of varying uncertainty, then they're uncertain for reasons. In some cases, we're not sure who the back is going to be. Um, in other cases, it's going to be some sort of tandem, but I want to talk about how they might be used. We talked. I had the Broncos at the top of my list. We're not going to talk about them right now because we already talked about um, Devontae Booker, and I totally agree with you on that. Devontae is not very good, um, and Royce Freeman seems to be uh, in a great position there. What about the Bears? Um, people are talking about Trey Cohen a lot, because of the way Matt Nagy is talking about Cohen. He's basically saying, oh, I can't wait to use this guy, and I'm going to put him all over the place, and, and he's a great guy to you know, move around a little bit. And people get excited about that. You, know, you, think, you look at the guy and you say, hey, he's really fast. He's explosive. I mean, he's not a workhorse type of back, but wow, what if he catches 50, 60 passes and then runs some, and, and he's going to be all over the field? Well, great. And then people look at Jordan Howard, and I said something about, well, he's not old. But I said something about boring, and at this time of year we don't like boring. Jordan Howard seems boring to people. Is is he getting ding too much for being boring?
1: Uh, I, I think he's boring certainly in PPR leagues because yeah. he's just one of the, you know, like Carlos Hyde kind of. He's so good uh, as a rusher, at least, as, at least Hyde has been most of his career. Howard has been super effective as a rusher. Granted, his efficiency was down a little bit last year, but he's just atrocious as a receiver. And he says he's working on that. It's not something he had to do much in college. Uh, but I'm just, you know, I'm hesitant to project him for uh, much of a, a an increase in workload in that department going forward. So, granted, they're gonna they're gonna pass the football more. That should help him improve his receiving total. But you just can't imagine he's gonna be super involved in that area. So, I love him as a rusher. I like him more in non PPR, obviously. As for Cohen, I, you know, we again, you get caught up. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water with the Bears, right? With Bears backs, I mentioned Langford before and how he get caught up on big plays and explosive plays. Well. Same thing with Cohen. I mean, his efficiency was was downright awful last year. 1.3 yards after contact. He's never going to be good performing after he gets touched the first time because he's 5'6", 180. You know, it's just not going to be an area right. where he's going to get you a lot of production. And that's also going to limit his volume as well. Um, and actually, you look at him as, okay, this guy's a, a, a good change of pace back, a, a passing down specialist perhaps. He averaged under seven yards per reception as well last year. So that's not really something that gets you too excited. So I think we're kind of trapped by his explosive plays a little bit. That bothers me. That said, it should be a pass first offense. It should be a much better offense. And like you said, you know, the coaching seems to like him and that really matters. We can't ignore those kind of things. Just like with McKinnon earlier, you have to look at more variables than just player ability. And that's why I think Cohen is is going to be involved a lot in passing situations, regardless of his efficiency and very well, could push for sixty catches. So uh, I see, I see a cap, uh, cap ceiling here. But it's a guy that could potentially get you flex value here and there.
2: Okay, let's go to the Titans. Um, they have Derrick Henry. They signed Dion Lewis. Uh, Dion Lewis gets, and I don't want to say unfair rap. Dion Dion Lewis gets stereotyped as a pass catching back. The the underlying numbers would suggest that he's much more than that, and I, I want to ask you how you think that factors in that with to how the Titans are going to uh, use both guys in that backfield.
1: Yeah, both both backs top five in yards after contact per attempt last year, so talk about putting together a yeah. pretty impressive duo. Uh, you know, It's kind of like Philadelphia with Blunt and Ajay last year. They've both been uh, actually, during if you look at their careers individually, they both lead the NFL in yards after contact throughout their career, which is which is incredible. Uh, so you can see what some of these manage, uh, these GMs are looking at and scouts are looking at. Uh, but as for this situation, I'm just applying common sense here, John. I think you know obviously they want to use both of these these guys. One of them is uh, a pretty effective rusher so far in his career, but really can't do anything as a receiver. He's really struggled in that department. That of course is Derrick Henry. Uh, Deion Lewis, I can think, can do it all, but you worry a little bit about his workload just because he's had so many durability issues throughout his career. So, again, just do some simple math. That that means Derrick Henry's probably going to be the guy getting more of the carries and coming off the field in passing situations. And Deion Lewis will kind of play, uh, what do you want to say, like a Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson sort of role where he gets a change of pace carries, uh, maybe even as many as 8-10 to 10. Uh, but then really does his damage as a pass catcher and potentially pushes for 50 catches. So that's how I think it works out. I think they're both very similar in terms of fantasy value. I have Henry at 26, Lewis at 27. And if you look at non-PPR, I lean even further uh, toward Henry in, in terms of who I want. But again, you know they're both going Henry in the fourth round, Lewis in the fifth round roughly. So values about the same Lewis probably a little bit of a better value.
2: So So this is a situation, this is truly one of those things where as a committee, it's great for the real-life Titans. It doesn't really help fantasy owners all that much.
1: Yeah, I think both can potentially be flex options, right? You know, maybe one mm-hmm. even works into the running back two conversation. But, uh, again, unless one goes down or one just proves to be the better player, yeah, it's going to be – I think they're going to kind eat of eat at each other's uh, production this year.
2: Okay. Um, what do you think with the Titans, uh, slight related topic, um, Matt LaFleur com- coming in as the offensive coordinator – uh, last year, you know, what was the term exotic smash mouth that we heard last year, the year before yeah. with the Titans? <laughs> How do you yeah. think the Titans going to look this year? You think they're going to open it up a little bit?
1: De- yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, the, what do you want to say? The restraints will be taken off a little bit. We're going to see that in Chicago as well. And these teams still leaning on the running games are just—I uh, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their analytics departments are looking at. I don't know what they're thinking. You know, maybe it's just that old school, or as as Evan Silva likes to say, the cocoon. You know, I, you got to throw the football. You got to go for it more and fourth down. You got—you know—watch what the Eagles did last year. Look at the success Bill Belichick and Andy Reid have had all this time throwing the football. Uh, you're crazy to lean on the running game, and you know you see teams. You know, like, trying to go back to that. Arizona seems to want to run the football. Seattle wants to go back to the running game. It's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt their efficiency for sure. It's not really a question. It's just – it's a matter of fact. You know, you just have to throw the football. So uh, I think Tennessee will do that more. And honestly, talking about the backs, that probably helps Lewis a little bit more. You know, it gets them in passing situations more often and gets him on the field more often. So, uh, yeah, I think that's good news for Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, possibly Rashard Matthews. I mentioned Lewis. And obviously, from a fantasy perspective – uh, offers some upside to Marcus Mariota as well.
2: All right, let's go to the Packers. This one, I don't know. If, I don't know if you can fig- figure out at all. Th- th- this is maybe <laughs> the most confusing backfield for fantasy owners. Sure. And and because it's confusing, that that might be a good thing because it, you you're tempted. You see this this great quarterback, and you see an offense that should produce, and you think if I got the right back, man, would that be great? But you look at what happens every year, and you go, "I don't. I'm not trying to get the right back. It's, it's, a, fool, it's a fool's errand to try to get the right back there." Is that fair? Do you think maybe it's just me being gun shy from trying? Last year at this time, all anyone could talk about was Ty Montgomery in, in the third or fourth round in PPR drafts, and and yeah. it, you're trying to figure it out now, and, and you got. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing my hands up. I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, well, what's interesting about it, and maybe the reason why you would want to take stabs at these guys, is, is look at how they were used last year. You know, Ty Montgomery was a starter at first, and he was a feature back. He was a workhorse on the field every play. Then he goes down, and then at times throughout the season, Aaron Jones handled the workhorse role. He got hurt. And then down the stretch, Jamal Williams was an every-down player. So it, it seems like they want one guy to emerge, and maybe this year they decide to go with a three-headed attack. Maybe they decide that whoever's the best back's going to be going to be the feature back, and These guys are going late in drafts for the most part. So, yeah, I'd take a stab. I think Montgomery's a guy that's uh, a decent value right now and and, uh, a perfectly fine target. Jamal Williams is going in the eighth round fine with that. Uh, uh, Aaron Jones is suspended, so that's a little bit of a concern. He has two games to start the season, but, again, he could take a late stab. But, again, I look at Jones as probably the best rusher here. His efficiency at UTEP and last year for the Packers was outstanding over a small sample. Jamal Williams, not a very good rusher, did not like him coming out of BYU, but the best best pass protector, the best receiver uh, of the group, uh, or, or between he and Jones at least. And I um, you know that the cap coaching staff likes him a lot as well. And then Montgomery is kind of the wild card, you know, the former wide receiver. How does he fit in? Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. It is, it is one of the toughest to project. I've kind of hedged across the board on it. And the only thing I would consider doing here is taking those Kind of late round stabs, you know. Once you get to like the ninth, tenth round, that's about the point where I'd consider one of these guys. And who
2: would you consider first if you're if you're at that spot and they're all there?
1: Oh man, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I have Williams first. I I have Williams, and then Montgomery. You know, Aaron Jones I had to knock down because of the suspension. Uh, So he, for me, is just kind of a late round guy.
2: Okay. Next up is the Colts. Um, Another one. Tough backfield, right? I mean, uh, we, we, yeah. last year we were all waiting for the Marlon Mack. Like, this is the week. And it wasn't the week. <laughs> it just didn't really, you know, people were stashing him and it kind of didn't work out. Um, I, you know, the other options on the, I mean, Naheem Hines, who seems like a pass catcher, Jordan Wilkins. I mean, what do you do? Anybody you want to take a shot at here?
1: Yeah, I think you go get Christine Michael, right? Like just, <laughs> 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 uh, he is on the roster, though. You know, remember, former second-round pick. Yes. Uh, he's been a, a popular sleeper uh, over always. I've always been a, a Michael uh, apologist, and, uh, you know, it just hasn't happened. But, you know, as for this backfield, you know, I did a study recently. Actually, again, it was that column I was just referring to, and I looked at, um, you know, kind of can we use rookie season stats, efficiency stats to project guys forward and see who's going to have a good career, who's not. And if you look at the polar ends of yards after contact, you do see a little bit of correlation with guys who hang around guys who are bust and a guy who is in the top 10 over, I believe it was the past decade. I looked at and yak is, is Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, it was just 93 carries last year, but, and he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. So it does not look pretty, but after contact, he was really good. 2.25 yards. So that is an indicator uh, for some, some optimism for Mack. And, and that kind of has me feeling a little bit better about him. Uh, that being said, did not like him coming into the league last year. I thought he was always going to be a situational guy. Naheem Hines, you know, I get the hype there. Maybe uh, if everything goes well with Andrew Luck, maybe Hines is like a Terry Cohen sort of rookie year, an explosive change of pace guy, but he's undersized. He's never going to be a feature back. You have Robert Turbin who's suspended. He'll mix in. Uh, but my uh, my guy, you know, my kind of sleeper at running back, the guy I like going into the combine. I was fortunate to chat with him down in Indianapolis uh, is Jordan Wilkins? Uh, you know, I thought he would be this year's Jordan Howard or potentially Chris Carson going into the combine because, uh, you know, aside of sh- struggling after contact last year, he showed up well pretty much everywhere else. He's a, uh, you know, he has the size and the ability and the skill set to be a three-down back, and that's what they're kind of hunting for in this Colts offense. So he's he's the guy I'm looking at late in drafts. So I'm going to take that stab. And yeah, I mean, John, he might get cut. You know, we don't even know for sure if he'll make this team, especially if they sign someone else. But on the other hand, if he's up to the task, he could be their feature back in in an Andrew Luck led high scoring offense
2: this year. So he's worth that stat. Okay. Um, One other team I want to talk about. Um, You mentioned one of the players before and I kind of rung a bell in my head, the Ravens. Um, Alex Collins seems to be the, the, the leader at the moment, but you've got last year, another one I want to talk about last year at this time, Kenneth Dixon was an awfully popular guy. He heard his knee, and now he seems to be back and, and apparently ready to go. Um, Buck Allen, is he's gotten chances. He seems to be uh, just a guy is the term I would use. Um, is this as simple as Alex Collins is the guy, or, or are you kind of eyeballing one of the other two uh, with maybe a late-round pick?
1: Yeah, it, it kind of fits the bill of Drake, the same bill as Kenny Drake, right? Like a guy who over a small sample has been impressive, but we've been tricked by these guys before uh, that have done things like this. They come out and they show high-end efficiency and they're young and they look like they're on the verge of a breakout. And then they just turn out to be you know, what, what Buck Allen is, <laughs> just a guy, right? So you worry about that with Alex Collins. He is still very young. He'll, he's not even 24 years old yet. He looked awesome last year. He seems to have rejuvenated his career. Uh, I want to like him uh, for sure. I mean, Consider last year he's only on the field for 35% of the Raven snaps on the season and was still 21st in fantasy points. He just was given so much volume as a rusher. The red flag with him, though, he's barely on the field as a receiver. You know, he's yeah. just, you know again, he may catch 18 footballs this year and or something like that, and that's a problem. I actually have him at 29, just to be clear, but, you know, it's possible that he sees even less than that, and that— bothers me especially with Dixon there whose efficiency as a rookie was outstanding but he has off-field concerns obviously with the suspensions he's had injury issues and you mentioned Buck Allen who was solid last year and will be involved in some capacity as a receiver so there are roadblocks for Collins but what can we do we throw him into that pile we talked about earlier all those backs who you know are probably best best thrown in the conversation for like 30 catches at the most uh, or certainly in that in that vicinity he's one of them guys and you know, you, you just kind of see who's left when you're on the board. And if he's the top of your list, you can, you can go for it.
2: I, I still can't get out of my head that night. They, the Ravens played on a Thursday night and Tony Romo kept screaming that he wanted to call him the Irish step dancer. I, I can't get his voice out of my head <laughs> screaming about Alex Collins. Cause he had that one game. Um, last question for you. So let's say 10th round or later in a, in a 12 team league, who's, who's your favorite running back late pick? Who's the one that you feel like you're picking up in, in, more drafts than any other.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I, I mentioned Wilkins. You know, he's he's been a popular one, but I already talked about him, so I'll go another way. The highest guy I have ranked that has an mfl ten ADP round ten or later is Deontay Foreman. So I think he's worth talking about. Uh, maybe really the guy worth talking about is the guy I think he could pass out on the depth chart, which is Lamar Miller. And I feel like Miller, his value starting to rise. He's a fifth round ADP. People are starting to talk about him as a value. He finished 16th in fantasy points last year. But look at those last couple of weeks. I mean, it seemed like I thought he was going to get cut because the last couple of weeks he was starting games, but then playing less than out for Blue. I mean, Blue was on the field more. He was getting more touches in all areas of the game. He just was losing that job. Uh, But he's still there. He's back. He's the lead back. If Deshaun Watson does what he did last year, Miller could certainly push for eight, nine, maybe ten all-purpose touchdowns in this offense. So I get that. That's fine, but that opportunity may not go to Miller. It may go to Foreman if he gets over that Achilles injury and is on the field. Remember, he wasn't last season and uh, has side between the tackles, so still a very young player. So uh, I'm keeping an eye on that situation. I'm taking that stab on Foreman just because we're looking at the past two years of Miller really struggling with efficiency.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I've been saying every week on this podcast that we we are on. We have had a perfect game running on people talking about Lamar Miller as a value. But now we may be reaching the point where the value is not quite there if his, if his ADP is, is changing, right? And, and, and that's one yeah. – I mean the, the weird thing about Miller is it's so dependent on Foreman and, and Foreman's such a wild card because of that injury that we don't know what we're going to get. So. Yeah,
1: but you also have the chance of him coming out slow, even if Foreman's not ready and Alferd Blue just playing a lot because Miller's not playing well for the third straight right. year in the offense. So that's there's a lot of concerns, and and I have Miller ranked at 30. Uh, again, so that means I'm not going to get him because a lot of backs I have ahead of him are going later. But there's just too many red flags. I'm staying away. And that's I like Miller out of the gate. You know, he was one of them guys, like kind of like Kenyon Drake, right? Where the sample wasn't as large as you would have liked in Miami. But it it was much larger, as we've seen from Drake so far. But the efficiency was great. They say they're going to give him a bigger workload in Houston, and he has not been able to live up to the larger workload. He has struggled badly with efficiency. He's been one of the least effective backs in the NFL over the past couple seasons. We're talking like what Frank Gore has done efficiency-wise. That's where Miller's been. That's not good enough.
2: Right. All right, folks, listeners, this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the website. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Mike, what else you got going on in the near future now that you back to vacation, back from vacation, back to work? What are you up to?
1: Yeah, well, we got a couple months until the season starts, right? So I'm going to head out for another two-month uh, two cruise, right? There's nothing going on <laughs> until, until – uh, no, a long list of uh, content coming over at uh, ESPN – uh, I think the next thing coming up is uh, an article on handcuffs, right? So, you know, that's that's a hotly t- debated uh, topic. Should you handcuff? How to do it the right way? I think a lot of people do it the wrong way. Uh, so, I have a column coming up. Uh, actually, it's probably in the next day or two coming up over at ESPN.com. And guys, that across all positions who are worthwhile late round steps. That's that's what's next up.
2: Excellent. All right. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I love chatting with you all the time. Uh, I can't wait to do it again soon. Folks, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. Our next show is gonna be on Wednesday, July 18th, so check back then for Mike Clay. I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?